risk of trying to be all in one one area. We like to have a little bit multiple options. We're even starting to look at some self-storage as a another class that we see some opportunities in. Welcome to the Next Level Income Show, where it's our goal to take your income, your investments, and your life to the next level. I'm your host, Chris Larson. If you haven't yet, get a copy of our book for free at our website, nextlevelincome.com. That's www.nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the book link, and I'll even send you a copy if you put your address in. On today's show, we have Corey Peterson. Corey Peterson is the CEO and founder of Kahuna Investments. Corey has acquired over $250 million in real estate nationwide and raised over $100 million in private equity. He's the best-selling author of Copy Your Way to Success, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. We're going to tell you how to get a free copy if you listen here today. And he hosts the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. His company's mission is to partner with passive investors to create award-winning apartment communities families are proud to call home. Corey, great to see you. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to talk to you. I think um, yeah, this has been this has been an interesting year, 2023, and you know it's it's been tough to make deals work. You know, we've really learned the pitfalls of some certain things that are out there. We're going to talk about all that as well as more. But first, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background. Well, I should say, I'd love to hear it again, but I'd love for you to share it with the with the audience here. Yeah, well, so I got a really crazy story, and it's it's really a rags-to-riches story of starting – I used to be a used car salesman, and, you know, that kind of joking, joking uh, just the worst kind of car salesman ever, I think. Uh, then I met my wife. <laughs> Or my girlfriend, now my wife of 21 years, and uh, she made oh, me quit smoking, and she got me the right line. But um, it was really almost 22 years ago, and that's when my life changed forever. Uh, wow. My mom was married to this man named Bruce, and I call him Bruce Wayne. Um, he wasn't Batman, but he did have a lot of money. And we go to Kauai, the Garden Island in Hawaii, and uh, you know he had a house right on the beach, and I mean he just Bruce had time and money. A lot of us have one, and not very, very, very few of us have both. He had them both, and it was different. And so I had to ask him, what did he do? That's what he said, the magic words. He said he was in real estate, and they owned apartments. And so I left that island uh, thinking that Bruce was the big kahuna. Like, yeah. he had it going on. And, uh, you know, shortly after, about three months later, I read the little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Bruce is a real estate investor. Yeah. And uh, Bruce was self-made and I thought if he could do it, I could do it. And so in 2005, I was like, I'm ready to do it. What I call my company. And I called it Kahuna Investments. I wanted to be the big Kahuna like Bruce. Um, I started well, he's off the big Kahuna. You're just Kahuna, right? So, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. <laughs> so I started off in the family space because that's where I think a lot of us initially start. Yeah. And but here's what... <laughs> What I realized real quickly was there's no scalability. And if you're only flipping for profits, you are a trader. Um, you're not true to the cash flow idea. And you're definitely paying a lot more taxes than you're supposed to. And so um, I had to really change my model. And so um, it took me a minute. But in 2011 is when we bought our apartment. And um not trying to, to, to shorten the story here, but like, you know, in the single family space, yeah, I learned how to raise because I was, you know, 2009, 2010, there was no money to get out there. So you had to get creative yeah. and yeah. learn how to raise private money from investors. And so we learned that we had to have a pitch deck, you know, uh, before and after. We had to be able to sell our story. 
And so we did that in the single family space. But the only problem is it's like, you know, six months, give me your money. I'll take it. They give it back. And then we got to find another deal. And there was just no scalability to it. So one, we drove by an apartment complex. And I used to say, I wish I could own an apartment. And on this day, I said, how can I? And that's really when uh, the whole of apartments really opened up to me. And so I went and got smart on it. I found a mentor to, and then really a lot of times the mentor is the key and found someone to teach me the game and how to underwrite, <clears throat> how to, how to model success. Right. And uh, in 2011, we bought our first deal three two million bucks, raised $1.4 million. And uh, Chris, we kept that deal for five years and I sold it for 8.8 million. Nice. <clears throat> and so, yeah. Now we own $250 million of commercial real estate all across the United States. We've raised over almost $100 million of private equity. And um, it's a it's an amazing story. And, and it's like anything else. If you put your mind to anything long enough and uh, consistently enough, you can find success. And, and really, there's lots of ways to make additional cash flow and revenue. And, and uh, you know, in your show, um, I'm sure a lot of you are listening to this. Are, are investors, you know, they have money and they, you know, what do I do with it? And uh, I just know I, you was a formal, formerly a financial advisor. So I come from that, mar- uh, that game a little bit and I can tell you all the dirty stories <laughs> that brokers uh, really about when you're not there, but the truth is they don't really care about your money and there's not as many levers, right? When, when the market crashed, I was a financial advisor when the market crashed 2007, eight, nine, and all I can say is, well, it's the market. And you and here I thought I was being a great financial advisor to people, but I really re- realized I had no control. And that's why I love real estate is because we have so many more levers when you know COVID happens or you know interest rates right now they're doubling you know double in value, yeah. and so we had to like get lean. We you know look at our staffing. Uh, make sure our supply chain is very efficient. Um, there's levers that we can move and manipulate to make sure that we get to the next greener pastures. And I think that's why I love the, what the power of uh, real estate does. No, it's a fantastic story. And uh, Corey, you don't know this, but I heard your story like five years ago before we met initially. And I was like, wow. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. So when um, your team reached out and we got connected. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I can't wait to have Corey, Corey on the podcast to tell the story again. Cause it's really like, like you talked about Bruce. It's, it's almost like when I heard your story, I was like, that's like rich dad, poor dad in real life for Corey. It was, it, it yeah. really, it was so, uh, you know, it's a way of, of, you know, the way the universe works, but like from that moment on, that's when my life changed is like something yeah. different had come in. And for me, I had a real live mentor that I could see that yeah. I could touch. And, and um, for that, it made it way more realer for me. And um, what led it's led to a lot of success. No, I love that. And you said a few things in there that I think are so important and really not only exemplify why you're successful, but you know how any, anybody, if you're listening today, you should take this in mind. So one of my favorite books um, is something uh, that my wife gave me. It's called the alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And actually, my younger son happens to be reading it. And he talks about if you believe something with all your heart and all your mind, the universe will conspire, will conspire, will get together. That's what conspire means to get together to make it happen. And that same son, he wants to learn how to do a backflip, Corey. So 
Um, we take him to the local uh, gymnastics place this past weekend. And, you know, he can kind of, he knows the mechanics of a back hamstring, back ham, back, um, back hams, hamstring, uh, handspring. <laughs> and so he kind of knows like how to do it, but he's never done a back handspring or a backflip. And the coach says, oh, can you do this? And he goes, I can't do that. And he said, you don't know how to do it yet. And, you know, I loved how you said what changed for me was the day I asked, how can I? And if you're listening and you want to make something happen, there's a lot of people in your life that'll say, oh, you can't do that. Or, you know, I remember, you know, we're about to, um, we're, we have a, a mobile home park under contract. And I'll never forget telling my wife's aunt one time about, I was like, I'm going to buy mobile home parks, buy mobile homes. And she said, that's crazy. Like you want to get shot? You know, this is, you know, all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. And I was like, well, how, like, what's the right way to do it? And for you having that Bruce in your life, you know, really allowed you to do that. And that's why we do this show is so people can listen. You know, if you're listening today, you can hear, you know, Corey's story um, of going. There's clues. Know, there's less, there's so Absolutely. many clues, Chris, and yeah. stuff like that. And what I've learned to, to, my lesson is I don't listen from broke people. Right. I, and I know that sounds kind of crude, dude, but like if I wanted to learn how to buy, um, you know, uh, what you just said, mobile home parks, mobile home parks yeah. I would find one that was in mobile home parks at a very high level. Yeah. And I would say, what do you do that's successful? What do you don't do? Right. And then just model it. Right. Like that's really the success formula is find someone that's doing what you were, what, where you want to go and then copy it. Yeah. And when you do it, um, you do it long enough. Then you can finally, once you've mastered the model, that's when you sprinkle your special sauce. You the salt bay on it. <laughs> salt bit, bay, yeah. <laughs> right. And you start kind of making your own unique recipe yeah. to what already works. And, it's it's funny, but, but even you know money investing. Like when I think about <clears throat> investors out there that were in just the stock market, they had a financial advisor. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of courage to step out from that and say, "I'm going to do something different that every financial advisor would poop on." And the reason they're going to poop on it because they don't really know. They don't. Right. Yeah. And it's they, it's it's scary, right? If you're I, I I like to say, you know, it's it's like my wife. She's she was talking about um, uh, we were talking about teaching the boys how to how to use a firearm, and you know, it, it's it was intimidating for her because she didn't grow up around around guns. And I said, "Listen, sweetheart," I said, and I may I may be triggering, no pun intended, people that are listening, but I said, "Hey," I said, "If I told you, hey, hop in the car, get in my car." and drive the boys to school and you'd never driven before i said would would you be nervous that you might hurt them and she said absolutely i said so you go out you learn how to drive you go to an instructor you do all these things anxiety comes from ignorance and the more we can educate ourselves and ask how can i that does that the other dirty secret which you know Corey, from being in the financial industry is and i know this because some of our investors have told me this that are financial advisors they say well chris I'm, a, I'm actually prohibited from investing in these be, per my contract. So not only can I not tell my clients about it, but I can't even invest in these either because they're salespeople and they're selling away. 
No different than when I was in the medical device space. If a surgeon said to me, Chris, what product should I use? And I recommended my competitor's product. I would get fired because that's not my job. There's a rule with financial advisors. You can only sell what your broker, your broker dealer uh, allows yeah. you to sell. Yeah. And um, and it really is called selling away. And um, it's interesting when you look at it from that sell lens that they're coming from, and they will never tell you. They'll say, that sounds right. Do you Are you sure you want to do that? But the truth is, um, you know, most financial advisors are pitching 6 to 8% returns. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, and look, and look, that's not that's not terrible in certain no, circumstances. It's not. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, you you just said, hey, learn from somebody that that has done you it. Can you know, take some is- matters in your own hands and, and and get together, find smart people. Listening to this podcast is one of those steps, right? Yeah. Of educating yourself in the ways of money, and because rich people tend to want a little bit more control. At least when I look around. Um, and when you get super wealthy, you become a family office and you hire people to watch your money, right? And they don't go invest in the stock market. They have people that actually make that money and, and make the investments themselves. And so a lot of times with syndications of what we do in the side, it's kind of like, it's almost like taking that concept, but allowing you to do it in fractionalized piece, right? Absolutely. And that's 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 been our mission is to help bring you know, those institutional assets that have they've been reserved typically, you know, for the institutions, for the endowments, for the private um, or the uh, the family offices, bring bring them to every every person. Because when I heard about it, I was like, just like you, Red Rich Dad Port, I was like, I got to become accredited. I got to get access to these special investments. Um, now, Corey, um, you started in multifamily just like I did. Um, you got a, you beat me to it by a couple of years. Um, certainly. And you've learned a lot here. We were chatting here before the show. You've learned a lot over the past dozen or so years in that space. And a big part of your portfolio now is student housing. Um, I know listeners are familiar with multifamily and different things, but maybe we we don't talk a ton about student housing. And I know there's a lot of heads that are like you that are that are shaking like you should, Chris, because I'm paying tuition at these schools. Um what, Once you get to the age and your kids turn 18, yeah. you're going to find out about student housing real quick. Yeah, which is funny because I bought my first two townhouses in Blacksburg, Virginia, and I rented five of the six bedrooms out to students. So I actually got my start in student housing, if you really yeah. think about it. And, and it's um, funny because you're in Blacksburg and you have a property right away down the road at uh, Radford yeah. uh, uh, University. So. Yes, I probably was in that. I may have even been in that property at some time or another during my my time there. But um, so I'll tell you why I love student housing is yeah. a it's a it's a little bit more work as far as there's a lot of more moving parts. You're dealing with college kids, um, but here's the beauty of it is mom and dad host. So I mean, think about it, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's. Um, resilient from market cycles, but it kind of is. Now, it's not COVID-resistant because when COVID happened, no one went to college. Um, and so housing, our housing model got broke for a minute. It was a hard, it's been a hard couple of years. Well, we are now so, finally recovered. So let's let's hit on that real quick. Um, sorry to kind of to kind of yeah. twist the knife a little bit, but, um, you know, so we we all, everybody in the multifamily space saw, you know, the, the, uh, the restrictions with collecting rent and doing these things. Um, how did that work in the, in the student housing space, Corey? 
Uh, it was brutal. We went from 100% occupancy to 45. Wow. Wow. That's a death sentence, by the way, right? Yeah. Now, this is why I love real estate. We immediately um, got skinny as skinny. I mean, uh, abnormally skinny. And when I say that, I'm talking about we stop ordering anything, like no yeah. orders, uh, cut staff in half. Almost to a third on some properties. Yeah. Um, put a skeleton crew to get through because, um, you know, now on my bigger schools um, were bigger colleges. Yeah. Still had more tenants. It was more like 75, 80. Okay. But on your D2, you get, yeah. your D2, smaller D2 schools, schools that have 8,000 students or so those are where i saw my biggest hits like mm. they just stopped going all together and it was just vacant 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 and it lasted for two years um this year it was great this gotcha. year we we yeah. we killed it and my big schools they rebounded the year after right okay. it, it, it was it was better but other than that and uh, what i did like so i've learned that when there's blood in the streets is when you buy so what did I do during COVID? I doubled down. Yeah. I bought four more properties in student housing um, because you buy the paint. And um, but what I do love about the student side is that mom and dad personally guarantee their 12-month leases, even though school is usually only nine. Right. Right. And then um I think my properties keep me young. I love it is way more fast paced. And so my staff and my team and the touches, um, it's just a different animal, but it's it's so much fun. And um and you know, the right properties fill up on the on their own. Like we have a property in East Carolina, um, ECU, right? Yep. Uh, North yep. Carolina, yep. Uh, Greenville, and it will fill up regardless of kind of what we do. And last year we got a six percent increase in rents didn't do anything and we're probably going to get another six percent this year and we're not going to do anything besides raise the rents and say here's the new price yeah. and we'll still fill up and so um it is it's it's a beautiful business um but the only down so that's the great things the downside is um you know kids uh, tend to be a little more violent on your property Right. Yeah, a little less respectful, right? So we yeah. we have we're very good at drywall repair, <laughs> right? Very drywall repair. I'm not saying that there's lots of holes. Most of the kids are respectful, but we've seen holes in yeah. walls. We've seen some people get a little, you know, they get pulled up on the alcohol. So it's really about trying to control your parties. We don't want to be the party place, right? right? Yeah. And mom and dad are usually trying to, you know, we have cameras everywhere. So big brothers always watch. And that's one of the things we really do. And then we try to like our recipe is to light these things up like Christmas trees. 75% uh, <clears throat> of our students are women. And so you want to oh, wow. keep your property as safe as possible. I've got to think that that that's a testament to the quality of your property, because I, I would assume that um, if I was a parent of a daughter, I have two boys. But if I was a parent of a daughter, I would say, hey, I want to be in one of Corey's properties because they're well lit, they're safe, 
you know, whereas if I had a boy, maybe it's not quite as, as much of a Today's show is sponsored by Money Insights and their investment optimizer strategy. In my book, I share how I use the same strategy starting over a decade ago to invest my money in two places at one time. This strategy has been used by the wealthiest for generations for estate planning, minimizing taxes, preserving wealth, and increasing stability for their investments. Now you can do the same thing. In addition, you can build a plan to build an emergency fund, pay for college, fund a business, plan for retirement, and ultimately optimize your total financial picture. To find out more information, check us out at the banking link at nextlevelincome.com. You don't think about it. You don't think about it as much, right? But like, just know that that's a big piece of the recipe is like we when we go buy one we'll look at the lighting we're like hmm you know are they bright leds you know is it the right kelvin right believe it or not we look at kelvin yeah and um i know what that is (laughs) yeah um because and then we're looking for areas that are spooky and we say how do we put some light over there right and because that's and when we do things right so we've taken over properties that they have like in the uh, breezeways they have incandescent lights we put these really bright leds that spread up a very light light yeah um it goes from oh god that's kind of scary to oh i could come oh. here at night and then you start seeing and i mean because some of these people they're just oblivious to it right yeah yeah and so you just want to make them feel as safe as possible um the other thing too is protect we're trying to you know and makes if we put gates around stuff we do or we'll put like uh we try to re- restrict the ways and ins and outs of ingress ingress, ingress. Um, and we'll put cameras at license plate level right so um you know try to do as much as we can to limit the uh, shenanigans right because yeah. it's really not your tenants that come in it's their boyfriends <laughs> that can and try to screw things up for us yeah, you know, it's interesting. We see the same thing in the self-storage space as as technology has come in. You know, people, especially female renters, would prefer not to interact with some weirdo that's watching, you know, Netflix or something else on their, you know, laptop at the front desk. They they can do everything via a kiosk or via an app. They can they can get onto the property. There's a gate, there's lots of lights, there's lots of cameras and security. And that makes people feel safe, right? It's it's not it's natural to do that. Even and even then, like we we work on even trying to get uh keyless systems where we have you know, they have a car to get in their door. It's kind of like trying to go into the hotel, you know, model. Um, and so and access points within our, you know, the places where they can get into the gym, um, to our common areas and things like that. So um, it really is way more technical than it used to be. Um, but it's a beautiful business. And the great thing is, is they're not going. Now, colleges overall are downsizing a little bit, right? Some of the smaller ones. The bigger schools, though, seem to just keep getting bigger. Yeah, so, I was going to ask you about that, Corey. So as you, you know, I'm always looking for things that are going to like disintermediate an industry, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. all right, how are you going to come in and wipe out housing? You know, like what technology is going to wipe out housing? I don't, it's hard for me to see that. Um, From a university perspective, you know, is, is um, tuition keeps rising. People are like, Oh, your, or your son's going to go to college. I'm like, well, my older son, he wants, or my younger son wants to be an engineer. So I'm like, Hey, he's probably going to go to college. My, my older son, he wants to play lacrosse. So 
hopefully he gets a scholarship, but he, he actually would really like to go into the military. Um, but as students have more online options as, you know, degrees have become more ubiquitous and possibly, you know, less valuable. Right. Um, or even some employers are saying, well, you don't even need a degree anymore, which is kind of crazy. Um, what are your thoughts on that with respect to the markets that you're in and how do you kind of guard against that? So what we've learned from being now in it is, so when we first started, we bought very smaller markets, um, and have managed those, you have to manage those very tight and very efficiently. And right. we can talk about efficiencies here in a bit, but yeah, um, that's something that. we've really worked on. But um, the so we like bigger schools. We like 25,000 students. 20,000 to 25,000 students is a good yeah. school size. And then um, closest to the college as possible, right? So because what's going to go away first, the, the properties that are farther away from campus, sure. right? Yeah. So... And then we're looking for some historical trends. We always we look at is the college going up or down? You know, if you look over a 10-year history, yep. a trend. The bigger colleges just trend is real steady and, and go up. Sometimes they might have a down year, but it's not. Or if it's flat, so flat's okay. Um, our smaller colleges, what we've seen is a slow downward trend. The smaller yeah. colleges yeah. seem to keep getting smaller. Hmm. Um it's been a really concern. So some of those assets we're now looking to exit when it's the right to make the right sense. And we yeah. want to get out of those earlier than, than learn. Um, and it's just about really trying to manage that a little bit, but yeah. on our bigger schools, um, I don't see for our five in your horizon, not a whole lot's going to change. Um, people are still going to go to school. Um, not everyone's going to go to college, but um, the ones that do still need a place to stay. Right. And so you're just trying to make sure that you're not in oversaturated markets like College Station, even though that's a big yeah. school, right? <laughs> um, you've just yeah. got to make sure. So it's really about understanding what the supply and demand is, what what is the enrollment uh, trends, and then you're looking for a deal, right? So we're, we're looking at a deal right now in Savannah, Georgia. Or Statesboro, which is real close to okay. Savannah, yeah. and um, it's a twenty thousand kids school. It's not D one, I don't believe, but it's, um, but it's a good large D two school. Yeah. So we that that there's value to to to, to play in that game, um, and then the only other difference I think from the downside of of housing is, um, you are still subject to things that could go on beyond your control, like. Um, something happens terrible at the college or they get a bad reputation, right? Like I'm thinking of, of something that happened to Mizzou uh, about four, maybe it was like eight years, nine years ago uh, in Missouri, Missouri state or whatever. They had somebody make some kind of uh, claim or like, I can't remember what it was. It was like black lives matter. I can't remember what it was, but it was a big deal. And donors left the football. Uh, it was a big, big deal. And, uh, the next year, new enrollment, enrollment plummeted. How about that? Right? Yeah, interesting. So well, you're I guess, subject to some things yeah. you can't control. Yeah, and that's probably a reason why you look for, you know, big D1 schools, big D2 schools. You see success in their football programs. You see enrollment skyrocket like we've seen here. In yep. Everyone wants to be a part, of that, that, part yeah. of that trend, right? Now, <laughs> and, then the, yeah. and then we sprinkle that with just regular old multifamily. So I think that's our – we're about 65 maybe 70% to the student – in our, in our portfolio, 
we're looking to try to balance that back out. We're, we'd like to be 50-50, right? Because I think the real um, risk of trying to be all in one, one area, we like to have a little bit multiple options. We're even starting to look at some self-storage as a, another class that we see some opportunities in. Yeah, no, I like that. And um, look, I, I love I love hearing the high level stuff, Corey. But you know, coming out of COVID, you mentioned how you guys have kept turning the screws on efficiencies and operations, which really, you know, those are really the things that make a difference in these investments. You know, long term yeah. after you get into them. Um, if you would share some some of the lessons that you've learned with the audience, and you know how your company has has restructured or or evolved, so to speak, here post COVID to really take advantage of some of these efficiencies. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Chris. So when we first started, we were a third. We we would hire third uh, party property management yeah. all the time on all assets, um, and that's how most operators generally do it. Here's the, but here's the problem: is third party management is not aligned with any owner operator's goals, and the reason for that is they're not compensated based on NOI, net operating income. They're based on collected rents, yep. top line, right? So they could care less how they spend the money. They just want to make sure they collect all of it, right? And so as we got into this and we, you know, time and time again, what is your most valuable asset at any property? It's your people. Yeah. And so what we realized is we're actually in the people business. We really, that's Indeed. what we do. We sell a product called real estate but it's the people that make it work and run. And so the challenge with third-party management companies is we were not in control of our staff, the people, culture, um, and the way we wanted things to run efficiently. And so this year, 2023, we decided to take control of that. And so we vertically integrated by creating our own property management company. Now, what we've through that is that... Um, you know, your people do make the difference, right? When we start talking about NOIs, net operating income, um, budgets, real budgets. Oh, can I spend this? I don't know. What does the budget tell you, right? And going and and get and then having um, flying off staff and, and getting everybody to what I call kahunified, right? The, the kahuna <laughs> way. Um, it's so important because it builds... Um, Hey, teamwork, friendship, connection, and that we're all doing it together. So what we found was with property management companies, third-party property management companies, every property was its own island. And none of our properties were really connected. Even though we're all in student housing, um, no one was talking to each other. And so we were able to bridge that gap through when we took over. We brought, you know, we have a user Slack. Uh, we have Zoom calls all the time. We have all our staff on it, right? And we're able to be so much more efficient in just uh, doing it one way for every property, right? Instead of trying to do it five different, because a lot of times on uh, bigger asset managers, you're going to have different property managers, different ways. This one's doing it this way. Another one's doing it that way. And it's not coherent. It's not the same. And there's no cohesiveness. Right. And that leads to a lot of inefficiencies, right? And then even supply chain. Right now that we're under one umbrella, we can get our uh, you know, our painting cheaper, our uh, products cheaper. Um, trying to use the same you know uh, vendors and the same uh, supply everything. Like here's our toilet, this here's you know like we start having codes for each thing, and then we say, and then really, 
It's about kind of Six Sigma agencies just in time ordering, meaning we don't keep a lot of stuff on the shelves, right? Um, You know, someone's going to go vacant. We go, like, you know, we know, we usually know 60, 90 days a property's going to vacate, right? Or they're going to non renew or or we have to evict. Even if we're evicting, all right, let's sit this guy, let's get inside that unit. And then he comes up and says, okay, I need, uh, you know, a toilet. Um, bar, you know, for the toilet, vanity, I need this, I need that. And then do I have these products on the shelf? No, let's just order just what I need for these three units or two units or whatever it is. And, um, you know, we have a 24-hour or 48-hour turn policy. We want to have something back on the market within two days. Boom, yeah. And the only way to do that is to be way more proactive and getting into these units and even sometimes doing the repairs before they actually move out. And again, it. efficiencies like that, getting your having, and, and this is the biggest killer in multifamily. This is a big killer is not having rent ready product Yep. Yeah, and having a property. Often, yeah. Yes. Not turned. Yeah. It'll no, kill your that. business model. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, Bruce, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that the whole time, <laughs> Corey. Um, yeah, so Corey, it's been it's been a fun conversation. We could, I know, we could continue on, and we'll, we'll have to have you back on to talk about some different stuff. Um, but love for you to share with the audience how they can get. I know you got a book out, you got a great podcast, and you know, there's ways that listeners can learn a little bit about, about your. Yeah, I would love like, just to give your audience a gift. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but copy your way to success. I wrote a book oh, awesome. uh, called Copying, and if you guys will just text the word book uh, to four eight zero five hundred one one two seven. So text the word book, 4805001127. My team will send you this book for free. And uh, we just ask that you read a couple chapters and and see um, and and learn our story. Because this is really my rags to riches story from, um, you know, having that moment in Bruce to really the whole success. And there's lots of clues and and nuggets to to what it looked like and, and how we did it. I love that. So just one more time for the audience, text book. Yep. To... Four eight zero five zero zero one one two seven. Is that right? That's it. Yep, that's All it. All right. We got that here in the show notes along with kahunuinvestments.com. If you want to get a hold of Corey, check out the background of his company or learn more about his investments. Corey, thank you so much for sharing your story and your rags to riches in true life with the audience. Thanks, Chris. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. Now I have one more thing to give to you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book, as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.